Uh, We're continuing our series on the kingdom of God, and today's text is from Luke 18. Let's all rise, and we'll have God speak to us. This is God's word, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But after he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, I want to introduce our speaker uh, this morning. Uh, His name is Brian Kim. Uh, He was born in Korea, uh, raised in Germany, uh, studied at Westminster. In fact, we studied together. We were classmates. Uh, finished his doctoral studies at the University of St. Andrews, uh, the birthplace of golf, I believe. And uh, Pastor Brian currently serves as a New Testament professor at Torch Trinity Graduate University in Seoul, Korea. Uh, But most importantly, I think many of us know him as Pastor Brian, the Sunday school pastor and the former Awana coach at Yongsang Presbyterian Church. Uh, He's here today uh, visiting from Korea uh, uh, to bless us with the Word of God. So let's welcome Pastor Brian. All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm very pleased and honored to be with you and share God's message today. I'm delighted to see some familiar faces among you. Uh, For those who don't know me, as Pastor Stephen uh, kindly introduced, I attended uh, the YSPC, right, Uh, Yongsang Presbyterian Church, and served as an elementary department pastor for five years. That was 10 years ago. And um, so coming back to this place uh, brings back a lot of memories. When I served at Yongseng, uh, I had this special connection with ELMC. Back then, it was ELM. Um, first of all, there were many children in my ministry whose parents were ELM back then, and um, I recognized some of the faces. And I guess most of the children right now became uh, college students. In addition to that, uh, my department the elementary department, was sharing the same worship building with ELMC. And our worship was right after ELMC. So, but the planning was so tight, it was scheduled so tightly, that the transition window was very uh, small. Uh, so every Sunday, what happened was, over 50 kids, 50 children, from first grade to third grade, they would line up outside the worship building uh, 
eagerly waiting and praying for the ELM pastor to finish his sermon early. And um, I hope this is not going to happen today, so I'm going to take my time to, to deliver the message. I have heard uh, many good news about ELMC through my good friend, Pastor Stephen, how you are taking the initiative uh, to serve your neighborhood and many mission fields, also taking over the mercy ministry. I hope that God will continue to bless this ministry and each member of the congregation so that your vision to see God's kingdom come, his will be done in our homes and communities and the world will be fulfilled faithfully. Today's parable, the passage that we just read, is rather short compared to other parables, but this parable belongs to, um, belongs to one of the so-called hard or difficult parables in the Gospels. What do I mean by difficult parables? As you already know, parables are short, easy stories that appear in the Gospel that Jesus shared with his disciples. They are relatively easy to understand, so I used them a lot when I was teaching Sunday schools. For example, the parable of the sower, or the parable of the lost sheep and coin. The function of the parable is to show and to reveal. It's, it makes the message easy to understand. But as we have learned, there is another function in the parable. In the Gospels, uh, you will read that many people, after hearing the par parables from Jesus, they got confused. Even Jesus' close disciples sometimes couldn't understand the meaning of the parables, so they, they had to seek Jesus privately and ask for explanation. You see, uh, the function of the parable is twofold. It reveals and discloses. At the same time, it conceals and hides. And where does the difference come from? To whom is the parable revealing and to whom is the parable concealing? We might, we tend to think that the difference lies in intellectual understanding or intelligent ability, but that's not the case here, because there's a difference between enigmas and parables. Parable is not like a puzzle that you have to uh, solve or crack the code. It is, it is similar to a joke. It brings instant reaction such as laughter and sometimes booze. And um, I know, I know that this is the perfect timing to give an illustration and make a joke to you all. Uh, however, unfortunately, I couldn't find a good one. I, I, I tried, but I couldn't find a good one because I'm doing ministry in Korea at present, and all the recent jokes that I heard are... Korean pawns that uh, you wouldn't necessarily enjoy. And I found the, the ones that I found or heard from Pastor Stephen are mostly baseball jokes and um, Star Wars jokes that I don't get it. So I'm going to skip that part. Uh, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to skip the part. 
But I want to point out that we here, we can find a challenge that exists in interpreting a parable. To be able to understand the parable fully, you have to understand the background, or you have to have some knowledge. To understand the Star Wars joke, you have to watch Star Wars at least five times or ten times, I don't know. But once you try to study the jokes or the parables, you lose uh, the vibe. The, the, the parable loses its function. As soon as you try to explain to someone the Korean letters or pronunciation or the baseball regulations or um, the, the, the movie, the function of the joke disappears. And you can trust me on that because I tried and it didn't work at all. So, when you read a parable, when you try to interpret a parable, you should try to understand the context and the background at the same time. It is important for you to understand the immediate reaction of the people when they heard the parable. In most cases, when Jesus shared a parable with them, people would understand the meaning of the parable instantly. But while some of them would accept the message, some of them would reject it. So those who do not understand the parable or the ones that a parable is hiding from are not so much because they could not understand the meaning of the parable, but rather because they were resisting the message. So then what would be the message that people would receive or reject in the parables? It's about the kingdom of God. For someone, the message of the kingdom of God would bring obedience and faith. But for someone, the message, the same message, would bring rebellion and confusion. In this vein, the parables reveal the secret and sometimes concede. Let's come back to the question, what do I mean by a more difficult parable? Today's parable is difficult not in the fact that it is hard to understand, but rather this parable can be understood in many ways. So let us take a look at the parable much closely. In today's parable, Two people appear, one judge and one widow. Um, as, as you already know, um, the condition of widows in Greco-Roman antiquity was harsh. Um, widows were often left with no means of support, and if her husband left an estate, she did not inherit but her son or children. Although provision for her upkeep would be made, it would, and if the widow decides to uh, stay with her own family, to go back with her own family, the money exchanged at the wedding has to be given back. So the widows were victimized that they were often sold as slaves. In fact, uh, in, in Greco-Roman period, widows, orphans, and strangers were those marginalized and vulnerable people in a society. 
So that's the widow. And then we have the judge. This judge, as you can see in today's passage, is described in a very odd fashion. Verse 2 says, this judge neither feared God nor respected men. From the Old Testament on, um, the two commands given to all judges and leaders, if not all Israelites, are to fear God and love your neighbor. But this judge neither fears God nor respects human. It's a violation to this double command. And today's parable is between the widow and this unrealistic judge. As you have uh, heard from today's passage, the story is about that despite the judge does not fear God, nor respect people, the persistent request of the widow changes his heart, the judge's heart, and made the judge grant the widow's wish and gave her justice. The pleas of the widow are like dripping water on sandstone, wearing down the judge. And Jesus adds the following explanation. If this judge would grant the wish of the widow, how much more will our God grant his children? If a widow's nagging causes a response in the unrighteous judge who does not fear God nor respect people, how much more will the believer's request be honored by our righteous judge, by our righteous God? So, the parable itself seems to be easy to understand, right? How much more will our God, our King, provide His children? However, as I have started earlier, this parable belongs to one of the difficult kinds because it can be interpreted in many ways, even in a misleading way. Yes, the message of this parable is, is about the necessity to pray always and not to lose heart, but it's not about persistence in praying or badgering God until we get our desires. Let me say this again, because these two things seem similar but are very distinct. Okay, hear me out. The message of the parable is about the necessity to pray always, but it is not about badgering God until we get our desires. It does not mean, the parable does not mean you should keep praying until God changes his mind. Friends, you should pray to God. Excuse me, he hasn't answered your prayers yet? Then what you should do is you should keep praying. You should pray harder. You should wear God down with your constant prayers. That is not the message of today's parable. At first glance, the passage, excuse me, the message of this parable seems to be in this vein. However, to get this message, this wrong message from this parable, 
three questions should be answered. First, every parable in the gospel is about the kingdom of God, as we already know. Then what does this constant prayer have to do with the kingdom of God? How does this constant prayer that can change God's mind, what relation does it have to do with the kingdom of God? Unless this connection is explained, the parable loses its grip from the main topic. Second, there's a question that if the message is about keep praying until God changes his mind, what would be the characteristics of Christianity? Meaning, what would be the difference between Christianity and shamanism, for example? As you know, Christians are not the only people who pray. There are many other people with different beliefs, different religions who are praying to their supreme godly being. They also try to change the almighty being's mind and fulfill their wishes and expectations. So what would be the difference between their prayers and ours? Let me give you an example here. Um, I'll give you a Korean example. Uh, in a Korean shamanistic tradition, uh, whenever there's a crisis happening uh, to a person, such as a disaster or illness of a family member, or when there is an urgent prayer request, such as an exam or, or uh, marriage, traditionally, Korean people would pray to Chunji Shimyong, uh, literally, gods of heaven and earth. And this is how they do it. Right? They wake up very early in the morning and they would bathe themselves and dressed up in white linen clothes. And then they would draw water from a well. And in front of the bowl of water, they would pray. And that, that's the traditional way of praying. And if their wishes remain unanswered, what would they do? They keep praying. Until when? Until the gods of heaven and earth are touched and impressed by their constant prayers. And then they would grant their wishes. Now you see, if we interpret the message of Jesus in this way, keep praying until God changes his mind, then, again, what would be the difference between the shamanistic prayers and our prayers, the prayers that Jesus is teaching. Is Jesus simply saying, you should pray to God instead of other gods because he has a better acceptance rate of wishes? Is that what Jesus is saying here? So that question uh, gave me a doubt of interpreting the parable in this way. The third question is that uh, if we interpret this parable in, in this way, we would leave the last part of today's passage untouched because the last part, verse 8 in Luke chapter 18, is as following. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will we find faith on earth? All of a sudden, 
Jesus concludes his explanation of the parable with a perplexed description of the last days when the Son of Man comes. In the Scripture, the time when the Son of Man returns means the time when God consummates His plan of salvation and when He finishes, his, when he finishes the history. The parable in Luke 18 is not a general, um, general exhortation. It's a very specific command that, is, that has to do with the last days. In other words, as all as odd as it sounds, this parable regarding prayer should be understood against the context of the last days. It is a message not about any prayers, but the prayer in the last days. Thus, the meaning of this parable is teaching us more than how we should pray. It does teach us something else than we should pray constantly. And to give you an idea, um, to explain this point further, let me turn your attention to an event that happened in Jesus' ministry. Here, in Matthew 15, there's an episode that happened in Jesus' ministry. And interestingly enough, here Jesus acts like this unrighteous judge. So please um, let us turn to Matthew chapter 15, verse 28 to 28. Let me read from the scripture. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and backed him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The woman said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. In this anecdote, as, as you can see yourselves, there's this similar um, picture between Jesus treating the Canaanite woman, and the unrighteous judge treating the widow. She keeps begging. She, first, she asks for help. Jesus wouldn't answer. But the Canaanite woman does not stop exclaiming. Her cry was so loud and unending, that the disciples came to Jesus, begging him to send her away. Right? But Jesus responded to his disciples that he's not sent for the Gentiles, only for the Israelites. And he's not saying that to the woman directly. 
he's telling that to his disciples so that the woman can hear right next to them. I mean, this is such an insult, right? But she would not give up. Over and over again, the woman asked for help. Jesus gives an answer. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Why does Jesus mention about dogs here? It is clear from the context that these dogs refer to the non-Jewish people, the non-Israelites, the Gentiles, most specifically the Canaanite woman. Again, a huge slap on our face. But look at her response. She said, yes, Lord. Verse 27. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And when Jesus heard that confession of the woman, he grants her wish. Like the constant appeal of the widow changed the unrighteous judge's hard-hearted mind, the Canaanite woman's ceaseless begging to Jesus changed his stubborn heart. So it seems very similar, doesn't it? But to, to make the case, right, we should focus, why did Jesus say, great is your faith? What aspect of the Canada woman did Jesus think is great faith? Is it her constant prayer? Or is it her last confession? In verse 27, right? Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. When Jesus, as soon as Jesus heard that confession, Jesus says, great is your faith. It's not so much the constant prayers, it's the, it's the content of the prayer that made Jesus grant a wish. When we think about the crumbs of the bread, the meaning of the bread is not immediately clear from the context. Only when you see the bigger context of the passage, you will truly understand the significance and the true meaning of the bread. Now you see, the, the event of, of Matthew 15, the event of the Canaanite woman, is placed between two big events in Jesus' ministry, both concerning bread. One is Jesus is feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish in Matthew 14. And the other one is Jesus feeding the 4,000 with seven loaves of bread and the small fish in Matthew 15, which falls right after today's episode. So we have the Canaanite woman asking for the crumbs of bread and before and after, we have Jesus feeding 5,000 and 4,000 people with the bread. Moreover, 
in John's Gospel, Jesus explains the meaning of the feeding the 5,000 with the very uh, famous wording, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the true meaning of the episode of feeding the 5,000 is that Jesus is the bread of life. And in between, we have the Canaanite woman who confessed, I just need the crumbs of the bread. Just the crumbs of the bread will be sufficient for me, Lord. So basically, the woman is asking for Jesus and confesses that would be sufficient for her. And when Jesus hears this confession, he responds, O woman, great is your faith. Her great faith does not derive from her constant request or badgering Jesus until he changes his heart. Her great faith lies in the content of a confession that is embedded in her plea that was seeking for Jesus and be sufficient with him. So with this understanding, let us come back to today's passage in Luke. The story ends with, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The faith that the Son of Man is seeking for means not only the ardent, ceaseless prayer, but also the proper content of the prayer. Faith matters not only in the how you pray, but also in what you pray. So what message does this parable give us? Uh, I'll give you three points. First of all, it shows the necessity of prayer that should continue without losing heart. Sometimes uh, our prayer is beset with opposition and discouragement. Pleas for justice go unheard. Answers are delayed. And people cry out day and night. However, as the parable shows, the prayers of the believers are in a much more advantageous relation to a righteous God who loves and hears his people than the widow is to the unrighteous and uncaring judge. The necessity of prayer. How much more will our righteous God hear our prayers? The second point that the parable shows is about the proper content of our prayers. In the last days, the prayers of believers must represent faith. And the faith that the Son of Man will look for does not simply mean a constant, ceaseless prayer. Rather, the Son of Man will be looking for those who are looking for Him. Those who persevere in allegiance to Jesus in the midst of crisis. 
But here, um, this point raises another question. So, Pastor Brian, if does our prayer change God's mind? No. He's God who is sovereign. Then why, if God does not change his mind, why does he want us to pray? And this, this question leads us to the last point of the parable. Third, the, the parable reveals the character of God who is not like the uncaring, unrighteous judge, but is merciful, patient, and eager to assist his people. Our God wants his believers to engage with him through prayer, eventually find him through prayers. He's the sovereign God who begun vindication of his people with the kingdom. He's not like this unhearing God. He hears our prayers. And he has begun the vindication of his people with the kingdom. He's the one who sent out his only son as the fulfillment of the kingdom and redeemed his people through the salvific sacrifice on the cross. And the kingdom that has started with Jesus awaits God's future action in the last days. In other words, the evidence of faithfulness and a primary path to alertness and faithfulness is prayer itself, which is the constant involvement with God as we interpret and deal with the world in which we live. Let me say this again. So what is the purpose of prayer? It is not to get our expectation fulfilled. It's the intention of prayer is to know God, to be involved with Him, to be in fellowship with Him. Let me give you an example. Let us think about the character of God through the Canaanite woman. We tend to think that the Canaanite woman, it is the Canaanite woman who reached out for Jesus and eventually met him. But that's not what the Scripture tells us. The Scripture tells us differently because Matthew 15 tells us that Jesus went away from Galilee and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Why would Jesus withdrew himself from Galilee and go to the Gentile region, to meet the woman. It is Jesus who reached out to the woman first. It is Jesus who searched for the lost sheep. It is Jesus who changed the content of the woman's request through the harsh interaction. At first, the woman might just be really seeking for the healing of her daughter. She might have known Jesus only as a miracle worker, a good doctor. But in the end of her encounter and ceaseless prayer, her request turned into a genuine confession. 
just the crumbs of the bread would be sufficient for me, Lord. Dear friends, our God invites all his people into his kingdom through many circumstances in our lives. And he commands his people to pray always and not lose heart in those circumstances. In our lives, we sometimes face difficulties, crises, burdens. When we have nothing else to do but pray. But at the same time, you might think, what does this prayer have to do with the kingdom of God? What does my miserable circumstance have to do with the kingdom of God? The splendorous kingdom of God has nothing to do with my prayer or my problems that I'm facing at the moment. But that's not what Jesus say. Jesus say, you can pray because of those circumstances. And what happens is, through the prayers, I hope you can seek me, who is the fulfillment of the kingdom. The vindication that has begun with Jesus will surely be completed when the Son of Man returns. And then he will find faith of the believers who have persevered and found Jesus in their prayers. Great faith is, is not how many prayers are answered. Great prayers is how much you found about Jesus, how much you got in close relationship with Jesus. That is great prayer. That is great faith. The last book of the New Testament is about the consummation of the kingdom. And in this book, the heavenly throne is described as the angels in front of the Lamb holding golden bowls of, full of incense, which the scripture describes are the prayers of the saints. The prayers of all believers are not in vain, but are lifted up and are heard by our King. Please join me in prayer. God, you are a righteous God who is different from the unrighteous judge. You are the one who loves and hears your people's plea and prayers. Lord, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of hardship and burdens, help us to pray ardently without losing heart. But Lord, also help us to pray the prayer that you want us to pray, the prayer in which we can find you, the prayer in which we can get closer to you, and the prayer in which we can understand your will better. Lord, help us. 
In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.